Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, your weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to Winning Time, episode number 15, The Hamburger Hamlet. And I am back with my good friend, Mr. Casey Hall. Uh, Mr. Hall, how are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, the week's almost over. What's that? The week's almost over. I know. I know it is. Uh, and uh, this week, we are later with our review of uh, winning time. This week, it's my fault. Uh, I was busy all weekend with a clinic with USA Basketball and doing some stuff with that and really enjoyed that experience and, um, you know, the good Lord willing, get a call back. We'll see what happens. But I had a great time, uh, learned a lot, uh, got to meet, uh, got to work with a lot of great coaches this weekend. So had a great time with that. So last week, Casey was, was out golfing. This week, I was doing my thing. Uh, hopefully, next week, we get back to our review a little bit sooner. So... Uh, are we good, Mr. Hall? I think so. All right. So, and, uh, as I was telling Casey, I literally just got back from the eye doctor. My pupils are dilated. I had to blow up my, my notes here to about 75 font. So we will work our way through this and we are going to have a great episode. Just like I believe, Casey, that this episode was absolutely awesome. I, I I think a couple of weeks ago we said, uh, maybe it was last week, we said that might be the best episode that they've had so far. I think in seven short days, in my opinion, they may have topped it. Uh, that's my opening salvo. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd, I'd compare it to last week's episode by far, very much so. I thought it, it backed up what they did last week, followed up extremely well with this week's episode. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I thought the two stars of the show this week, uh, Pat Riley moved to the top of the list. Uh, and I, and, uh, we had a lot of Jerry West this week and I, I know it's a, I, Jerry West is my favorite character on TV. Like Ted Lasso was for a long time, uh, the last three years or so, but now Jerry West is, is my new favorite guy on TV. And so anytime you have Pat Riley and Jerry West as the two uh, central figures in an episode, I, I don't think you could complain about that at all. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's uh, a couple of my things here. Um, we knew this was coming. Uh, we were off. We thought it was going to be at the end of episode two or early in episode three of this season. Uh, the the dismissal of Pat, uh, Paul Westhead doesn't happen until early episode five, the actual official dismissal. We had the trade request at the end of episode four and the, uh, the termination in early episode five. So we were a little off with that. Uh, other than that, I, I think we've been pretty good here. Uh, the... Uh, just overall thoughts, uh, Casey, what did, what were kind of, you know, we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about your overall thoughts, uh, or our overall thoughts, any, any other observations that you had before we start dipping into the categories? I've got two or three, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll step aside and let you roll a little bit. I thought, I thought it was really good. We didn't get a lot of basketball on court stuff in this one. But I thought it was really good for coaches that listen to the podcast because there's a lot of learning experiences. I think you can see and try to 
adjust to through what happens through the show. Um, lots of comings and goings, handling new jobs, getting fired, dealing with players, dealing with other coaches, dealing with administration or management. Um, I thought that was very, very good through this episode. I think it's something that any coach listening to this can take from um, just knowing on how to handle different situations as a coach or an administrator. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I, I had a lot of that as well. And, and we'll kind of go through a lot of that stuff when we get into the categories. I, I agree with you there. I think we're going to have a great conversation here today uh, on, on those very things. Like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. There wasn't a lot of basketball on the floor, but my goodness gracious, there was a lot to be learned about basketball. And it was a very basketball centric episode from start to finish. And, and I, like you said, I think there's a lot to be learned. So, um, a couple of things that, that I picked up on Casey. Um, I don't know if you saw this on the chalkboard, uh, when Westhead walked in and he kind of, you know, he kind of felt it coming here. Um, did you see some of the names that were on the chalkboard as possible replacements for Paul Westhead? Yeah, I did. Dick Vitell apparently was on the list. How different would basketball history be if Dick Vitale would have been Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's head basketball coach? Um, that Bill Musselman was on there. Uh, uh, trying to think of, I, I know there was one or two other names that I recognized that were on there. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I didn't know uh, Jerry West wanted to be shooter from Hoosiers when he told Riley not to get kicked out of any games. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of funny, you know, don't you be getting kicked out of any games and, and it, we can't say it as colorfully as, as Jerry said it in the episode. Right. Uh, I, uh, two great songs featured in this you know my my shazam brain uh starts going off the grease uh uh grease is the word have you heard uh that was that was great then followed by in the closing credits and and uh this was very i was very impressed with this my beloved ario speedwagons keep on loving you my favorite REO Speedwagon song, one of my favorite groups. Once those, once, once Winning Time and REO Speedwagon became one, I can't begin to tell you the nirvana I was experiencing at that point, Casey. I wrote, I wrote down REO Speedwagon song to end it, Marty's favorite. <laughs> I seriously wrote that down. I know we've talked about music before, and I go, Marty loves, he likes the Mario Speedwagon. I was like, I like that song too. <laughs> I can't believe I, you remembered that about me. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's... I, I wrote that down because I was like, oh yeah, I know Marty's going to love this one. <laughs> so you saw that one coming 10 miles away. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great, man. I appreciate it. that's much love, my good friend. Much love. Yes. That's great. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, my my wife will, will laugh at that, and maybe one other person. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah. Um, I, I did want to say one thing. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I thought was really well done. Um, not necessarily a great scene or anything like that, but I think it was really accurate. Um, they did a really good job with. Westhead's firing and how much heat that Jerry Buss took. I mean, this was his, yeah. you know, this is, you know, 
one, not not his fault. You know, McKinney having the bike accident wasn't his fault. But, you know, in three years as an owner, he's now going on his third coach. Now, again, y- you can't read into the future. You're not Nostradamus. We all know what happened. But uh, he he did catch a, a lot of heat. This the Jim Murray was a legendary columnist out of Los Angeles. And um, he, he did. Uh, he caught a lot of heat, according to Perlman's book, at reference 16, whatever it is, uh, yeah, that that you know there were a lot of people on him, and there were there were a lot of people uh, on Magic Johnson. He was a pariah for quite a while of getting uh, his coach fired. A la now LeBron was much further along in his career at that point, but LeBron basically got uh, David Blatt fired in in Cleveland um, as a more recent example of that, uh, Luka Doncic and, and Rick Carlisle, uh, would maybe be a, a little bit better comparison there. Uh, cause uh, as far as experience in the league, Luke, how long Luka was in the league. And so I, I, that, I thought they did a really good job of accurately portraying that aspect of the, the story. I mean, literally they threw him under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you just see, I mean, it went from, like you said, from the media to, I mean, Kareem. Yeah. To Magic. I mean, they they did not like how he was handling any of the situations. Mm-hmm. Um, financially firing the coach, whatever. So, I mean, I think they did a great job of demonstrating that and showing everything. And then kind of you got the back behind scenes look with, now, who knows if this conversation happened when Magic and Jeannie were talking by themselves, but kind of seeing her say, hey, I can step up to my dad, too, if other people are going to do it. Yeah. In a way. Yep. Uh, and we'll probably talk about that, too. But, yeah, yeah it was uh, it was Jerry Buss literally got thrown under the bus in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, literally and figuratively. Yep. Absolutely. So um, should we jump into the categories, Casey? Yeah. Okay. Uh, best scene of the episode, and boy, this is going to be—it's kind of like last week. Where do you end? Uh, I- I'll let you. I'll let you. Let's let's uh, let's tennis match it. Let's go. You know, you you go one, I'll go one. All right. I mean, I'm I I've got like five or six of them written down. Okay, but I'm, I'm guessing we're have some crossover. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go with pretty much the last scene of the movie where Riley loses his mind on the players and mm-hmm. starts demanding respect, calling out players, changing the lineup, trying to set the tone for the team the rest of the year. Um, I thought that was really well done where he just had enough. Yeah. It's like, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm your coach. I'm demanding you to respect me. And I think he kind of also got that. He needed to respect himself before they could respect him. Yeah. He needed to tell himself that I can do this. I can be on them. I can still be their friend, but I can be the jerk coach too to get them to win games. Yes, I thought yeah. that was very well done. Just going up and down the starting five, pretty much, and saying, "Pull your head out of you know what. Mm-hmm. You need to play harder. Quit worrying about what people are saying. Don't act like you're hurt. Don't worry about the girls outside." Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was. That was probably my number one favorite the mm-hmm. whole episode. Gotcha. Um, I uh, my my favorite the uh, my favorite scene. God, I'm looking at my list. I can't I can't even 
probably my favorite scene that I found most <laughs> enjoyable. I thought that was the best scene of the episode as well. I let let me let me let me start with that. I agree with you, Riley. I put down Riley's meltdown in front of the team uh, as one of them, and. I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, the, the transformation is complete, and here he is. This is this is the Pat Riley that the the winner within and the disease of me and and all of those Pat Riley s things that we now associate him with. Um, I, I'll go this route. I thought the best individually acted scene by any of the actors was Magic telling bus when they, when he got back to Los Angeles from Salt Lake City and bus was like well, you should have talked to me and and magic the guy playing magic um, Isaiah Quincy I think is his name he he that was the best acting I have seen from him in the entire series so far uh, he I mean he you could just you know he got mad he was but he was compassionate, but then he put his foot down and all of these different qualities. I thought he did a great job as, and again, I'm not Siskel and Ebert here, but I was, I was like, wow, I was really moved by his acting in that scene there when he was confronting bus before, before bus, you know, fires Westhead an hour later or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. um, That, that was, that was enough. That was a big one for me. That was my second. That was my number two. I thought that was very well done from, all of a sudden, they were having a conversation, and he's like, what am I doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And it just turns into a full-on yelling match with a dad and son, pretty much, mm-hmm. as they looked at each other as. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very well done. And you're right. That was probably the most emotion we've seen from the magic character mm-hmm. the in all of the, all of the episodes. Yeah, like like that, that was his best Act, that was his best scene as an actor in the entire series so far, I thought. so. Uh, what's another one that you really liked? Um, yeah, another one I liked... I, I, I thought it was a mess, and I don't know if it said it was... This is how it really happened. I liked how they did the press conference scene where he was trying to name a coach. And that's how it happened. And so I, I just thought... I was just like... I'm sitting there watching this, and I had to rewind it multiple times or push pause and rewind it just to go back to watch it. So I was like, I thought it was odd and weird and crazy, yep. but I thought it was very well done just with reenacting everything that went on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's how it actually happened, that Riley... You know, Riley was the coach, but West was the coach, and Riley, or you know, Riley was going to do defense, and Jerry was going to do offense, and and it was just handled awfully, and it was it was it. I wouldn't say it was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody recreating Live Aid accurate accurately redone, but it was pretty close to. Uh, they did a very good job of recreating how that scene played out, and and I'm pretty sure. Uh, I thought uh, John Riley did a great job as Bus and just kind of nailing what he looked like up at that podium on that day. Because I've seen, this is the basketball nerd that I am, I've actually watched that on YouTube, or I've seen clips of it when it happened. might have been like from a 30 for 30 or something like that, but uh, that's how it happened. That's that's how it happened. I thought, like I agree with you, I thought they did a great job of redoing that. Again, not quite Bohemian Rhapsody uh, Live Aid level, but really, really well done. Yeah, so. it was. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, 
Um, again, a great Jerry West episode. Two awesome Jerry West scenes when they offered Jerry the job. Uh, and, and he, I can't, again, it's a PG-13 podcast, uh, but one of my favorite quotes was, Me? No! Well, you know, and I can't go where he goes with it, but uh, that was funny. And then he was like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna be behind you, won't even know I'm there. Uh, and then they cut to the pregame tunnel, and he looked like he had 13 Red Bulls before, <laughs> before that game he started. He was fired up. I wrote that down, too. I was like, from going, and it's one of the quotes I've written down, from Jerry going, it's a big no, and there are some choice words in between that no. Yeah. Um, and then... All of a sudden, he's like, "I'll be there doing hold your hand." I'll just just don't even think I'm there. Yep. And next thing you know, he's the rah rah man, as I wrote it down. Yep. Yeah. So uh, again, a great Jerry West episode. Uh, just terrific stuff. And and those were two really very uh, you know took a little bit of the uh, uh, had added some levity to the seriousness of everything else that was going on. So uh, I had one other scene. Um, Bus and Riley, um, you know, basically, you know, Bus saying, look, take my team, coach it. I'm not going to fire you. Go coach my team. And, and you got to take this. Uh, I believe in you. I think you could do this. And, and I really, I really like that. It, it's always good to hear from your boss, uh, that they've got your back. And I, 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 I really like that scene. Yeah, that, I thought that was good too. I I had that written down. Um, just I just had it written down, kind of going into where Riley kind of loses his mind. It's kind of where he finally got the marbles to go ahead and say, "All right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get after it." Yep, yep, yep. I'm gonna follow my gut instead of my head. In in, yep. in, in at some times here, so uh, we both agree the best scene was Riley's meltdown, though. Yeah, I think so. Yep, I agree with you there, my friend. So, Coaches, put it on your calendar right now. Saturday, October 14th, Sunday, October 15th, 2023. The first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat here in Omaha. We've got a little bit of everything for everybody. We are going to start our day 10 a.m. Saturday morning with a live practice session with Kirk Walker and the College of St. Mary's women's basketball program here in Omaha. Then we're going to move everything to the Holiday Inn Express here in Omaha, 87th and Dodge. We've got a lot of things planned. We've got speakers like myself talking about 25 universal truths in coaching along with practice planning and a practice uh, planning and efficient practice. We've got Jeff Steinis, the boys assistant coach at Ames, Iowa, talking about building a complete program. We've got Tyler Shaw, the girls head coach at Sydney, Nebraska, talking about coaching cheat codes. And we've got Tom Craven talking about transition basketball and transition offense and the Boys Town way of doing things out of Boys Town here in Omaha. The best thing about a pen and a napkin clinics, though, is the interactive part of it. We've got small group coaching roundtables where you're going to pick the brains of three or four other coaches at the same time. Then we're going to have big group discussions. You're going to come up and you're going to have to talk. When you come to a pen and a napkin clinic, you've got to bring your own ideas. We're going to have a situation score discussion on Saturday night. Sunday morning, we're going to have a basketball smorgasbord session where we're going to talk about issues that coaches need to think about off the floor and how things can derail you off the floor and how to prepare for those type of things. So it's going to be a great weekend at a very, very affordable rate. If you would like to stay overnight at the Holiday Inn Express, it's $175 for everything, your room, your food, your drinks, everything that we've got going on, you're going to be taken care of there. 
If you're a commuter, it's $100, $100. All of this, it's, it's 26 hours, coaches. It's 26 hours of awesome, awesome information. And the, again, the best thing about it is you are going to be picking the brains and learning from other coaches. You're not just going to be sitting there getting lectured to the entire time. We're going to be moving around. So hotel rooms, we need to have at least 10 rooms filled. I'm sorry, five rooms filled with 10 commu- uh, boarders. By September 15th, that's my cutoff date. So if you want this to happen, get signed up now so we fill up those five hotel rooms with at least 10 coaches. Commuters, you got till October 12th to get signed up and ready to go. Coaches, you're not going to regret this. There's a lot of really good places to go, but I really think we do it really well here at A Pen and a Napkin. So come check out our first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat. Worst scenes. I, I, I only have one. I only have one. I have one really bad line, though. And, and it's not necessarily a bad line from the episode. Uh, but it's just, uh, I guess it's just probably more of a dig at Paul Westhead. Uh, the, the where he, he said, yeah, I got fired. And, and Riley, he tells Riley, you know, uh, and again, I'm still, my, my eyes are still dilated here. Why didn't you stop me or something like that? I have that written down as one of my quotes. Yeah. I, I was like, I thought it was a good quote just because it, like, he wants to, I was like, where's that? I got it written down here. Uh, Pat, you saw this coming. Why didn't you stop me? And I'm, and I'm, I heard that and I'd like froze for a second. I'm like, hold on a second. This guy told you to pull your head out of your butt multiple times and go talk to people and you didn't do it. You did it was your way or the highway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just like, okay, come on. And and I, I thought it was a good scene. I, I thought it was a necessary scene, you know, the the, the parting of, of Paul and Pat. And I, I have no criticism of the scene. I'm criticizing Paul Westhead as a coach. Like, that's 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 a dumb statement. You, you've got to sit back and reflect and go, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes here. I, I really misread the room in a lot of ways in, in this situation. And so uh, – that was a worst line, but I guess it de- kind of defined why he got let go too, you know? So, yeah. um, I got one bad scene. It's, it's honey and Jeannie in the kitchen. And, you know, I parked behind you because I wanted to talk to you. It's just like, <sighs> no one cares. Just move on. Um, yeah. I had, I had kind of, I had, I didn't have bad scenes. I wrote average scenes. Okay. Like, like, the whole both all three scenes with honey honey yep. talking to bus on in the bedroom like i thought she made some good points mm-hmm. but then it's kind of like okay are we just is this a filler you could have done this in the office where he's reading the paper and lighten up yeah. somebody else and then the one where genie and honey are talking in the in the kitchen mm-hmm. uh, and then the the wedding scene just like we don't need to see them getting married. We know they got married. Well, no, they didn't. Well, no, I guess we, they did. We figured we did. We did establish that they didn't get married. So no. that's the other. That's that's the other scene. The wedding scene. Like everything we've read up on, or know, or have heard that they did not get married. So what's what happened with that in the in the movie or in the TV series? Yes, he he did go on to have two more children with another woman. But they were never married. Her name was never Honey. It was, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, 
you you want so here's one of my very few criticisms. You want the show to be credible and you want people to follow along with it. But you know, you you, you can't recreate you, you're not going to know every conversation between Pat Riley and Paul Westhead or between Magic and Coop or between Dr. Bus and and Pat Riley or Jerry West. I get that. I understand that. You're going to have to have some interpretations and that type of thing. But when it's something as that's that's like saying Magic Johnson broke his leg in the 84-85 season and he sat out the whole season, but we're putting this in here to create more drama for the Lakers. No, that's factually inaccurate. And and is it that big of a deal uh that Jerry Buss in real life did not get married, but in the show they had him got married? To me, yes. It yeah, is. that's a big deal. Yeah, because it, it, it's just, okay, you know, what else are you fabricating? What else are you putting out there? And and so um, that's, that's, that's my frustration. I mean, that's why I don't like this whole storyline, because it's all baloney. It, it's yeah, all baloney. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. So uh, if you want to say there was another woman in his life and whatever, but... Uh, Tell the you know just tell the story accurately. There's more than enough to tell the story accurately. So, again, uh, for those of you that just fast forwarded the last ninety seconds of my soapbox rant, you, you can jump back on here. I'm done with it. Are you ready to move on from that, Casey? Yep, I'm good. All right, basketball realism. I had an A minus. Um, I think you like I said you you really nailed it there. Uh, there wasn't a lot of basketball, but the basketball realism was really, really good. I had mentioned before, the press conference scene was really, really well done. Uh, going back to the last episode, the last couple of minutes with Magic asking for the trade, they they redid that part of it really well. Uh, the inter-team dynamics, uh, we talked about the locker room scene. Uh, he made the move with Rambus with a lot of, you know, he saw something that other people didn't see in Rambus. And, you know, Bob McAdoo's Basketball Hall of Famer, and he realized that for our team to function better, Rambus was better as a starter, and McAdoo was better coming off the bench, and that's not an easy decision to make, and, and that's one of the things I want to talk about when we get into the coaching points, uh, but I, I love that. Uh, the Beat LA uh, chant, that's exactly where it started when Philadelphia beat Boston in, in the Eastern Conference Finals in 82, and that's in the sports chants of the 1980s or the sport, the, the, the crowd specter of things, that's right there with the wave. I mean, beat LA, beat LA. Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge one, and, and that's where it started. So I, I thought the basketball realism was really, really well done. Like I said, I gave it an A-. minus. I love seeing some of the retro jerseys. I saw old Dallas Mavericks, uh, green Dallas Mavericks jersey. Uh, there, do you see Ronnie Lester, former Iowa Hawkeye Ronnie Lester yeah. in a Chicago Bulls jersey? So yeah. uh, terrific stuff. Uh, A- minus for me. Yeah, I had A-, minus, B right in there, B+. Plus. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, getting the off-court stuff. Like, I think we talked about this in previous episodes where we didn't have a lot of basketball store, basketball stuff, but we saw the off-court, um, behind-the-scenes, front-office stuff, which you don't always get to see mm-hmm. um, in real life. I mean, all we, as as regular people like we are, all we get to see is 90% of the time is just games being played. Yep. So I think the behind-the-scenes stuff is always nice to see on how that works out and transpires. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, anything else on the basketball realism? 
I don't think so. Okay, all right. The Spencer Haywood, who made the most out of the 80s and survived award for this week, I will nominate Bill Sharman. Um, anybody that's coughing up blood in the middle of the office, you're you're struggling. Uh, and and you know he got through it all right. But I, I this is uh, this was the uh, opportunity is the wrong word. Uh, this was the situation that leads to Jerry West becoming the full time general manager of the Lakers uh, was Bill Sharman's health. And so again. You know, a lot of people look at it, Magic and Kareem on the floor and Riley, but but Riley and West off the floor were as important to the Lakers dynasty of the 80s as was uh, Magic and Kareem on the floor in that partnership. Um, so, uh, you know, I didn't think anybody else was really struggling this week uh, other than, uh, you know, maybe Bus getting ran over by the bus. I don't know who your vote's going to be for, Casey, but since Bill Sharman was coughing up blood in the middle of the office on top of the L.A. Times, I went with Bill Sharman this week. I I, I had that one written down as one of mine. I went Pat Riley. Oh, okay. Why you got that one? Yes, I just went for kind of finding himself and making the transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like a... Over the past few episodes, he's kind of looked like a lost duck, yeah. out wandering, like couldn't find anything. And now I think he's starting. He, as you, as the episode goes on, and we see at the end, he found himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, this is this is who I am. This is what I can do. Um, I just like the transformation that we're starting to see from him to see the Pat Riley that we know that's won how many NBA championships as a coach and GM and. Mm-hmm. All that. So I think I think I give mine to him just for the whole transformation that we're starting to see from him. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really excited. You know, we only have two episodes left for the season. I'm really excited to see what they do with they do with his character and how you know we, we know basketball wise how this all goes. But just I'm excited to see that continue to to progress forward in that regard. So um, a new category, technically, Casey. We scratch out Paul Westhead. It is the Pat Riley DNPCD Award of the Week. Who should not have been in this episode? Um, I defer to you. Probably multiple Laker players. Okay. just had one-liners. I mean, Cooper shouldn't have been in it. I mean, Nixon probably couldn't have been in it. I mean, I could have gone without Westhead even, too, just... They could have just fired him and got him done in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this was a tough one because I don't think there was – I mean, we saw – I mean, we can always go to our normal two people. Yeah. One and Honey and Jeannie is – I think has kind of disappeared a little bit this mm-hmm. season. Um, but I think it was kind of – I mean, we we got the people that we wanted in this. We didn't get as much as bad mm-hmm. characters this yeah. time. Yeah, but um, that, I don't know. I I think you can go with some of the Laker players that just had one liners for no reason. Yep. Or um, I mean, Paul yep. Westhead. I mean, we had 15 minutes of him where we knew it was going to happen. It was kind of like just get it done because some of the stuff he's saying is not making any sense. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, with Westhead, that, that like you said, they, they did kind of drag it out for about 15 minutes. But I think one of the interesting things that they did do, and, and Perlman 
kind of alluded to this in the book, but he was pretty blissfully ignorant of how much power he did not have. And yeah, he had signed this big contract and, and, uh, I, I forgot bus saying, you know, uh, uh, Tarkanian, uh, or yeah, they, they were going to hire Tarkanian and then his, his, you know, his buddy was found in the trunk of a car and, and I had forgotten about that line and that storyline from season one. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it was interesting and, and this kind of goes into favorite lines, uh, best quote, um, his daughter was like, dad, you're going to get fired. And yeah. and I think finally at that point he he kind of looked at it like, wow, maybe I am up the creek a lot more than what I thought I was. And then I think as those those minutes kind of creeped up, what we had seen throughout the season was Westhead kind of thought he was untouchable, and I'm the man here, and I'm the reason why we won. And again, we'll talk about it in, in coaching lessons. The you know the coach can be uh, replaced a lot easier than the players. And and I, and I think that finally sank into him that, no, you know what, I think I overplayed my hand, and Magic is the one that has all the leverage. I don't have the leverage. I don't have the leverage that I thought that I had. And I thought that was maybe the reason for that uh, and dragging it out, just kind of to see the final nail in the, the Paul Westhead coffin, maybe. So um, I, I uh, yeah, again, I'm just... Old, reliable, been there, done that. You know who I'm going to say, so I'm not yeah. even going to say it. We we move forward there. I don't know what what do you think of my hypothesis on the Westhead deal? I don't know. I mean, it's so we know what happens, but it's kind of like I don't not sure what they're what they were trying to do with everything with him. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of torn between the whole Westhead situation. Gotcha. I gotcha. So, uh, how about we jump into best quotes? All right. All right. Um, you want to tennis match it? Sure. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, right out of the gate, uh, you know, Paul Westhead, a lover of Shakespeare, uh, et tu, Pat, um, you know, it's like, okay, one of Shakespeare's most famous line, et tu, Brute, um, from uh, Julius Caesar. So yeah. uh, I, I thought that was an interesting tie-in to the whole Shakespearean experience that was Paul Westhead. So uh, that's the one I'll lead with. What What's what's one of your favorites, buddy? Um, I got uh, Westhead's daughter saying, like when they're arguing about the Lakers and her, him getting fired and everything, I go... And she goes, Magic is more famous than Rick Springfield. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that is, you, that was my next one. That was my next one. Because you look at Rick Springfield now, and he still doesn't look old. <laughs> I have a funny Rick Springfield story uh, about uh, his age that I won't share here, but I'll share it with you off off uh, All right. off uh, off of the uh, recording here. So. Uh, we'll just yeah. leave it at that. But that was on my list as well. And and Rick Springfield for the, in 1982, Rick Springfield was one of the most famous rock stars in the world. So uh, Magic was more famous than Rick Springfield. Quite the compliment from Paul Westhead's daughter there. So oh yeah, yeah. Um, my next one, uh, Magic says, "I'm done playing for that blankety blank." Um, in the argument with Bus, and 
you know, that put the, again, that was kind of the final nail in Paul Westhead's call, uh, coffin there. And, and and just, again, showing the power of the, kind of the beginnings, if you will, to a degree of the player empowerment type of stuff in the modern NBA that, you know, plays still into today, you know. So uh, that was one of mine. How about you? Um, I got one from Westhead when he sees magic, when he gets out of the meeting with bus and he goes, oh, yeah, magic, yeah, I just got to tell you moments in life when lessons are learned. I still believe in you. And it's like, dude, you've already, you've already written your record. You're done. Yeah. It's like, don't try to, don't try to smooth things over now. You're about a year and a half in yeah. the making of this movie or making of the NBA season out of, out of the way. Yep. Yep. Um, bus offering the job to Jerry West. Me? No? And, and many, many other things that follow there. But I, I cackled aloud when they were talking to him, trying to offer him the job. And, and that's the, the 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 closest I could. No, no, no. It's kind of like when uh, Michael Scott turns around and he sees Toby in the annex uh, coming back from Costa Rica in the oh, office. God. So uh, that's kind of what that reminded me of. So uh, what's up next for you? Um, when... They're getting ready to get on the elevator, Wes and Charmin and Riley. And Riley goes, am I the head coach? And Wes goes, it's a crap job waiting for the axe to fall. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good one as well. Uh, that was funny. That was funny. Um, I, I, I That was a good one as well. So uh, my next one uh, in the montage, random, random old lady. And I know I didn't get this accurate uh word for word. Uh, but, uh, magic Johnson's greatest trick is making a coach disappear. Um, I thought that, okay, that was pretty clever. That was pretty. And again, magic caught a lot of heat. He was a coach killer. He was a spoiled athlete making a million dollars a year, yada, yada, yada down the line. And, uh, so, uh, but I thought that was a pretty good line there. So, um, let's see. I got, well, I got one more. Okay. I got I two mean, more. I mean, I could, I got two, but the whole scene at the end of the episode where Riley just starts rattling stuff off of the players. Yeah. I didn't write all those down. I just thought that was all great. Yep. So then my last one is, is at the press conference when one of the press press people go, so who do we interview? Who do we ask to talk to at the end of the game and who makes the starting lineup and go and bus just responds with, Generally, it's bas- in basketball. It's the coach, and <laughs> no one knows who it is. So they're just all like, "Okay, so who do we talk to?" Yeah, we're, we're, I just I just love that one line answer. Like, "Yep, it's the coach." Yep, it's the coach. Well, who is the coach? Well, <laughs> yeah, where it's it's Riley and West, but it's Riley, but West is there. Yeah, that that was that was a good one. So, a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. Um, I've got two left. Uh, Genie Bus to Magic, You're My Hero. Um, I thought that was that was a, that was a cool line. You know, uh, you stood up to him, and you know she follows up. You're 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 
you you were willing to stood, stand up to him and everybody else bows before him and all this other stuff. So, and then uh, my favorite line, uh, the the most iconic line of the episode, they they close with you know beat L.A. beat L.A. and and I think that just again as a child of the '80s that just reverberates in my brain for uh, so many different reasons, and I uh, I really I really um, yeah that that was probably my favorite one. I, I thought they did a great job with that one. So. Are we good there, sir? Yep, I got all mine in there. Okay, all right. So, uh, coaching, coaching point. Uh, what can coaches learn from this episode? And you, you had mentioned early, Casey, that that you thought there was a lot to learn from this episode. And uh, so, I'm going to let you lead here. I'm gonna, I'm going to let you kind of get the ball rolling here. I've, I've got. Uh, I don't have a lot written down, but I think there's a. The, the three or four bullet points that I have, I, I think there's a lot that we can discuss on them, uh, if that makes sense. So, but I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you lead here, um, because you said you had a, a lot to talk about with this one. I just, I just think it's it it showed the Riley, Pat Riley situation trying to become a head coach, mm-hmm. um, going from being an assistant to being a head coach and how do you handle a situation um, and how you become more of the boss than the friend boss, mm-hmm. you know, where you're moving up, moving up in on the totem pole um, and handling those situations, being able to communicate with players and other coaches um, the right way to get them to understand and respect your opinion and what you're trying to get them to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really good showing and how he was fighting his own demons on how to get it done. Because I don't think there's any wrong or right or wrong way to do it. Um, for myself personally, I kind of did it backwards. I went from head coach to an assistant and mm-hmm. it's kind of, and you look back on it, there's so many things that you would change um, when you were a head coach, when I was a head coach, yeah. to just just how I handle situations or stuff like that, and I think that's always a good learning experience for other people. Like, I think now as an assistant, I kind of see more of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can make adjustments easier, and just learning from other coaches and other people and talking to them always helps. But I think for Pat in this episode, it was kind of just one trusting yourself, respecting yourself, and then trusting what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like that you are a better assistant coach because you were a head coach for 10 years? I think so. Yeah. Now, other people may have other opinions, but that's sure. how I feel that way anyway. Yeah. But you think, you know, I would imagine that you can look at what's going on with Kruger and you could say, Hey, I've been in that situation. I know what he's feeling right now. Here's, here's what I know I wanted or needed to hear as opposed to not having ever been a head coach and just perhaps saying or doing the wrong thing because you're just, for lack of a better way of saying it, you're ignorant of what the head coach is going through as an example of one thing that helps you as an assistant coach being a former head coach. Is, yeah. is, is that is that part of it? Yeah, I think so. Because uh-huh. um, I've been in that situation, or I've been in the situations. Mm-hmm. 
potential situations of in-game, out-of-game, whatever. And so it's easier for me to understand what he's going through mm-hmm. or someone's going through and be able to talk about it than just being an assistant that's never been a head coach of a team before. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, like, you, like you were talking about, you know, that, that slide over. Uh, as, as experienced coaches will tell you, that 18 inches is the biggest move you'll ever make in your life as a coach. And it's only 18 inches, but man, that's a big 18 inches. And you, I, I, what I wrote down Casey, and I, and I think we're kind of barking up the same tree. Uh, we're just doing it a little bit differently. Um, I, I put down, you have to have a presence as a coach and you have to tell the truth. And I think that for coaches sometimes it's hard for us to find that that's where the art of coaching comes into play with having that presence and like you've mentioned I'm not the friend anymore I'm the head coach I'm the one that has to make the decisions uh and you and I were both in a situation in our previous stops you we were both assistants that moved over to the head coaching position in the same programs you know we we were elevated from our previous jobs and there is a transition period that 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 takes place and there's rocky moments in that transition at least it was for me i'm I'm sure it was for you wasn't it yeah it was yeah it was different yeah And, and i think sometimes it's easier to come in fresh as a head coach to to a situation whether you are a head coach or an assistant coach that's being a head coach for the first time, I think sometimes that might be easier. But sometimes, as again, finding that that presence that you need to have as a head coach is is hard because you if if you're if you're too heavy, you alienate them. If you're too light, they take advantage of you. What is that in the in the art of coaching? What is that middle ground where? You're getting the most out of them, but you're not pushing them so hard or you're alienating them to where they're not going to play hard for you. And that's the human dynamic that you're that you're dealing with there. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Riley, told, you know, in the in our favorite scene, uh, the the locker room scene, Riley tells the truth and you have to tell the truth. Now, when you're dealing with adult men who are professionals you can use the methods that Riley told the truth a little bit easier than perhaps you and I have in, you know, we probably cannot be nearly as blunt as Riley was in that scene coaching high school athletics as is Pat Riley coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. But regardless, you have to tell the truth to all of your players all of the time. And I think through that scene, that is a lesson that can be learned from a lot of coaches. Again, as high school coaches, we can't do it in the same manner, but you have to you have to be a truth teller because when you're not telling the truth, it's 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 up a creek. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's and where we're at. I mean, we're saying the same thing, like you yep. said, and it's just tough. You see, you see so many coaches handle it in different situations. You get, you could see that at the high school level, what Riley did. No, no, I haven't been in a locker room like that. No, so neither I, have I. No. Neither have I. Not in the high school level. Nope. In the no, college, in the college think... level. You know, I mean, not quite that direct, but yeah. I mean, you know, they're you know, and that was a long time ago, but you know, yeah, been there. 
Yeah, I just I think I think you have to set the tone right away. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you I don't know if you'd lose them, but you don't get you don't get the most out of them that you want. If that's right, is that the right to say it? Maybe. Yeah. You don't yeah. get what you want out of them, or you don't get the most out of them that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I here's what I and again and and you can substitute word teacher for coach. Uh, but my very first thing that I say every year, regardless of whether I've had the students or not, here's the exact quote that I use. I believe that I can be your teacher or your coach, and I can be your friend. But if you force me to choose, I'm going to be your teacher or coach first. I have enough friends. I got plenty of friends. And at Fort Calhoun, I have been hired to be a social studies teacher. I'm supposed to be their teacher first. Now, I believe that if I've got good, strong personal relationships with my students, that I will be a better teacher and I will get more out of them. And as a coach as well. Riley started figuring that out. And sometimes to have that great relationship, you have to tell the truth in a very harsh manner because then people will respect you because you're just trying to make them the best that you can. The difference between Riley and Westhead is he never had that relationship with the players. He was never able to create that trust that Riley was able to by telling them the truth in the manner the way that he did. What do you? That's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I kind of use the same thing. I, I said it to other coaches, and I, I said it to players. I'm like, I can be your friend, but I'm, I'm gonna coach you. Yeah. If you're doing something wrong, like I'm, or doing something right, I'm gonna coach you, but I will be your friend. But don't expect me to always be nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna say when you do something wrong that I've told you to do eight times. Oh, you're okay. No, yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, that's if if I do that, then I'm not then I'm doing you a disservice as your coach right. or as your teacher. So yeah, but that you're exactly right with West with Westhead. He did not. He was, I think, in the first season, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, because everything went on with Jack. Yeah, and now in season two, he saw the money, got a big head, and thought he was the walk of the walk. Yeah, yeah, he was the man. And he never built any type of relationship with anybody. Yeah. Anybody on that administration or front office, coaching staff or players. Yeah. And he put himself behind the eight ball completely. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I had one more uh, coaching point. Did you have anything else? No, that was kind of it. Okay. Um, Here's here. And this goes back to Rambus. You know, we often look at teams and we go, well, put the five best players out there and you should be fine. And I think one of the things that we lose is, you know, it's not about finding the five best players in your starting lineup or the the seven or eight best players in your rotation. It's about finding the five players that fit best together. And I think sometimes in coaching, we look at it and go, well, here's our five best players. And so therefore these should be our five starters. Well, you know, I've been part of teams where the, the five best player or the, the, the best lineup is not necessarily the five best players. It's the five players that fit best together. And Bob, like we talked about, Bob McAdoo is a hall of fame basketball player, former MVP of the league, led the league in scoring on more than one occasion. 
and he's coming off the bench, and Rambus ends up starting because, as Perlman said in the book, and as you and I watched as kids, Rambus was the guy who got on the floor for loose balls, brought toughness to the game, uh, got the ball out quickly. He was the guy that took it out of the net every single time, got it out to Magic, which started Showtime going and and running the lanes. And, uh, you know, he was the best fit. And I encourage coaches to not just go, well, here's our five best players. Well, is that your five best players or is that the five players that fit best together? And maybe this kid might be a better scorer or whatever it may be for for compared to this kid, but there's only one ball and maybe you need a little bit more of this to help balance out your lineup and et cetera, et cetera. So um, that was a, a huge key to the Lakers becoming the Lakers in a series of events that led the Lakers to becoming the Lakers was finding that power forward that fit alongside Kareem. And for three or four years, that was Kurt Rambis who fit the bill perfectly. Yeah, he he. Yeah, you're right. You got to find the players that play well together, not just the five best players. Um, it made me think watching watching Ramos throw all those baseball passes. There the few clips they show of him throwing baseball passes down the floor of Kevin Love when he was yep. with when he was with well earlier in his career with the yeah. Timberwolves and the Cavaliers when he won the championship. Like he took the ball out fast, and any rebound he got either. LeBron or Kyrie or somebody was running down the floor and he'd just chuck it down there. It reminded me so much of what Rambus, just watching that, mm-hmm. of what Kevin Love and Rambus that did the same of. Kevin Love, Rambus, I'm going to go in the way back machine, Wes Unsell to Bill Walton, um, those type of guys, just getting that ball out quickly and moving, you know, whether it's off a make or a miss. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an underrated aspect of the game, but that's what they needed. That was the best fit for everybody else around them. And so that was something else I wanted to throw in there as well, Casey. So, Yeah, great uh, point. Yep. Um, overall grade. Overall grade for this episode. Uh, I will let you go first, sir. I've got a B plus. I thought it was really well done. Um, I wish there was more on-the-court basketball stuff, but I understand where they were going Yep. Um, with everything. I thought they really did a really good job of that, um, especially for – a lot of people to see behind scenes of all the dilemma they had mm. in the firing and the contracts and who they were going to hire. So I thought that was really well done. Uh, BY, so I gave it a B plus. Yep. I gave it an A minus only. I think we could have an A episode in our last two here because uh, we're going to get to the 84 finals. So we got to cover a lot of ground. Uh, we got to yeah. cover Larry Bird and magic. We got to cover, them getting swept in the 83 finals by the 76ers. We got to cover the drafting of James Worthy. Uh, Norm's going to get traded here. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, he's going to get traded here. Um, again, the uh, the continued evolution of, of Riley. So I, I think we might have an A episode coming up, but I thought it was spectacular start to finish. Uh, it was action-packed, moved everything forward. Uh, MVP Jerry West performance, uh, and the again we've mentioned it numerous times the transformation of Riley was awesome to watch from the start to finish of the episode and Adrian Brody's done a great job so I gave it an A minus I, I think we're really close there I think we both really like this one and we are really looking forward to the last two episodes of of winning time so uh, Casey anything to to wrap up our our current episode with 
No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm going to fast forward. I think we kind of skip a lot of the finals with the 76ers and we jump right into the 83-84 season. Yeah, I have a feeling this next episode we could go through an entire season and maybe even more in episode six to bring us to the head-to-head matchup in the 84 finals in episode seven to wrap up the season. A little bit of a cliffhanger uh, because we know... Uh, we know what's going to happen, what should happen, what should be portrayed in the 84 finals there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. we got to cover a lot of ground, which means the story is con- going to continue to go forward very, very quickly, which is really exciting for basketball nerds like you and I. Don't you think, my friend? Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's what we're waiting for. Absolutely. So great stuff as always, Casey. Appreciate you coming on here. Um, I, I'm starting to see... I feel like Han Solo in the, in the Sarlacc here. I'm starting to see shapes now, uh, so I, I'm doing all right there. I, I think I can take the font down on my screen to, uh, you know, 60 maybe. I could I maybe read it there, so uh, so that's good. So I appreciate you being patient today, uh, me getting on here a little late with you. So, uh, no problem. Uh, so episode 15 overall of Winning Time, The Hamburger Hamlet which I think that was in reference to where Westhead met his family before he got fired. Um, I, I think that's where that came from. I, I could be wrong. but uh, So we'll, we'll, we'll take it and we'll roll with it from there. Casey and I will hopefully be back earlier next week, hopefully like Tuesday, with the review of next week's episode. We only got two episodes left to go, so we're really excited to talk to you folks about it. So, Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 